You're listening to the Townsville Chambercast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. We would like to thank our show partner, Adits, for making this podcast possible. Adits are a local IT provider with one purpose, to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, adits.com.au. A-D-I-T-S dot Welcome. Today we are drilling down and shedding light on the trends and outlook of the construction industry in Australia. We're joined by Housing Industry Association Chief Economist Tim Reardon and CEO of Townsville Chamber of Commerce, Ross McLennan. Welcome, Tim and Ross. Thanks, Claire, and thanks everyone for joining in on this big episode of Construction. HIA is the national association that represents Australian building professionals. In Townsville, HIA is represented by North Queensland President Peter Cavallo and North Queensland Executive Director Peter Fry. Last month, Townsville City Council and HIA hosted Tim Reardon here in Townsville and it is a pleasure for us to get him on the line out of sunny Canberra. Uh, Are you there, Tim? Thanks for having me, Ross. Mate, tell us what the weather's like in Canberra before we get started, please. Uh, it's somewhere between really cold and bitterly cold. Uh, I'm looking out at a group of gentlemen here building an apartment complex. They're all rugged up in their thermals, their high-vis thermals and their electric jackets. Yeah, so um, we're also suffering through a winter up here in North Queensland. Obviously, uh, looking outside my window here, I think it's coming in about 26 degrees. Not great for the fishos today, but, you know, everything else is pretty much fine. Seven's rugby on its way. State of Orange just been hurled. I mean, it's the uh, the person. And I enjoy the trip up there every year. Yeah. <laughs> It's the reason I, take, I do it myself. Well, you know, I, we're all about regional relocation. So, you know, if, if you guys want to bring your economics team up here, I think it'd be a good start. So we're good to go. Time. Yeah. Hey, mate, I I um I loved your presentation the other the other morning when you're up here in Townsville, and um I, I guess to start off this podcast, there's a uh, there's a fantastic little acronym that you used to uh, describe what was happening in your yes. industry this year. Could you share that with us, mate? Yes. Yes. It was a builder from uh, the coast actually that used this turn of phrase. He, he said. The building industry at the moment is like a snake that swallowed a wombat. We have an enormous volume of work that the industry has bitten off over the past nine months, since about the middle of last year. And to put it to put it in some numbers on it, it is 30% more homes, or we'll build 30% more homes this year in 2021 than we did last year, and 20% more homes than we've ever built before. It will be many, many years, if not decades, before we build this number of detached homes in, in a year again. And it's posing some challenges. Uh, it, it's proving a little difficult to digest, but we will work our way through it and the industry will get to the other side. It, it's just going to, to be a little bit painful in the middle uh, and just take a little bit of time as well. So 20% more than ever before? Yes. So our previous all-time peak was in the 12 months to September 2018, and we built 122,000 homes. And this year, we expect, uh, in the 12 months to September 2021, expect to build 146,000 detached homes. Now, in addition to that, of course, there are apartments. And I I should mention that the apartment market is uh, the complete opposite to the detached housing market. And a whole series of very interesting demographic changes have occurred, uh, which are leading to that that change. And the, the... 
apartment market, which is very much a Sydney and Melbourne story, is going through quite a significant lull. The loss of overseas migration has really impacted that side of the market. And we've also seen a change in consumer behaviour where people are moving out of apartments to detached homes and a shift out of capital cities into regional areas as well. And when I say regional areas, not just North Queensland, but we also have to include uh, the southeast corner of Queensland in that definition of regional as long as, as well as uh, South Australia and WA. Typically, when you enter a recession, as we saw last year in early 2020, you'd expect the number of homes being built and the amount of renovation work to slow down. And that's not what we've seen. We've seen quite the opposite. We might dig into that migration, yep. particularly that domestic migration, a little later. But the, the inbound migration or demand for construction, that's that's a really interesting piece. You, you sort of you look at what people do when they first move here to Australia and then, and yep. then how that flows into the detached housing market. Yeah, so the data released this week showed that the population growth, the estimated resident population in Australia in 2020, grew at the slowest rate since the start of the First World War. Not since we, we sent a heap of soldiers over to Europe have we seen population growth so slow. Now... Typically, yes, you'd expect in a dynamic because there's a very strong correlation between population growth and demand for housing. But the fact that last year we saw the population growth slow and demand for housing take off is a little bit of a surprise. But there's a few reasons for it. One is that last year we lost around about 500,000 people from our population that shifted overseas. And that 500,000 people were backpackers, students, and people on business visas. So people in short-term accommodation. And we gained back around about 300,000 people who are expats or permanent residents. So the change in the nature of accommodation that was required is part of what explains the surge in demand for detached housing. So those 300,000 people that came back, and it's a similar trajectory as to what happened after the GFC. After the GFC, we saw 500,000 people come back to Australia in about that 2009 timeframe. And in that time, that 500,000 people moved into high-end apartments in Sydney and Melbourne, lived there for two years perhaps, before moving out to find their permanent household. This time around, of course, with the COVID shock, population didn't want to be tied up in an apartment or in a high-density location such as inner city Sydney or Melbourne, and they've immediately shifted to the regions and to detached housing, which, given the depth of available accommodation in places such as North Queensland, where there wasn't an oversupply of accommodation as it was, any rental accommodation or any homes that were for sale were absorbed really quickly with that increase in population. So whilst the headline growth rate shows that population is the worst it's been for more than 100 years, the type of housing that's being demanded and the location in which it's in means that we still have a significant shortfall of, of detached housing, particularly outside of Sydney and Melbourne. So what, what does this mean when uh, when borders reopen? And Are we going to see a mm. lag into the detached housing market as you know the next wave come or, or is this going to see us through that? That's a very good question. And what we expect to happen is that, yes, when overseas migration returns, we will see Sydney and Melbourne start to draw young workers out of the rest of Australia. And keep in mind that it's fairly typical after kids leave school that a reasonable share out of everywhere in the country, uh, those those young school leavers move to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane for education or employment. Now, in 2020, that didn't happen. It didn't happen in 21. It's not likely to happen in 22 either. As a consequence, all of those regions have gained a positive impact to population growth, which includes North Queensland and Townsville, probably Townsville more so than Mackay or Cairns too. And what we expect to happen 
is the bulk of those that have remained will stay even when Sydney and Melbourne start drawing workers south. But the next cohort of kids that leave school, a share of them will be removed from your population and you won't see an ongoing growth in population like you've seen over the past 18 months. And Of those that are shifting to regions, the sea changes, tree changes, retirees that are moving out of Sydney or Melbourne, we expect that 85% of those are permanent shifts. They're not going to go back. No. And the reason for that is we can see as soon as people started leaving Melbourne, which happened in July from July last year, within three months of that happening, we could see building approvals pick up in regional Victoria and regional locations across the country, which meant that a reasonable share of those people that were packing up and leaving the city were deciding to build a new home. That meant that they're not doing that lightly. If you're going to lay down a slab, then your plans are at least semi-permanent. So when we look Look at regions such as Townsville in five years' time. Your population will be significantly higher than what it was pre-COVID, but the growth rate that we've seen over the past 18 months is not going to be sustained once we return to a more normal population growth rate. But one of the other interesting things I think you know has been pointed out in a lot of this sort of data coming out also is the fact that the young ones aren't leaving to go to university or to do that education space or, or think that they're going to get a better job. Like we know that that people once they move to the big cities for that they'll meet someone and you know potentially start a family then they turn 40 and go oh, I've got to leave here and they head out we haven't lost those young ones in the last two years will they still go later on or or will we keep them when we talk about in housing economics we talk about uh, household formation and household formation is is in crude terms knocked up shacked up or married it's <laughs> when there is uh, particularly a child involved but household formation occurs around women and a reasonable percentage if not the vast majority of those that have stayed over the past three years will have started long-term relationships or gained permanent employment and will remain. So those that have stayed for that three years, we're expecting them to remain in the region. Yeah, right. And that's, you know, that's one of the interesting things that came out of, we were seeing, you know, real estate moving towards the end of last year and everyone said, oh, this is all these Vespers moving here, you know, this sort. But what was really interesting in that data was actually locals were buying places, established homes particularly, and they were saying, oh, no, well, I was going to buy a place down in Sydney or Melbourne because the kids were going to university there, but I'm not now mm-hmm. and I've bought one so three of their mates can go into a house here that's next to a education or a hospital or something like that. Spot on. So whilst those young kids that have stayed in the region are still dependent on mum and dad for an income or household or bedding or, or, or getting into their first home, they were also relying on mum and dad when they were in Sydney or Melbourne, which meant there was a cash outflow or, or an outflow of incomes from Townsville to those other capital cities supporting young kids at university in, in capital cities. And of course, that money is now reverted back to your local economy. Mm-hmm. And The other dynamic which you're alluding to there is the increased density of housing. So, yes, typically you see uh, households uh, reach a certain point, the kids leave and and mum and dad start downsizing. And, of course, this COVID shock has meant that their households are now fuller than they have been for any number of years. And that's leading to another unexpected outcome of the nature of this recession, which is renovation activity is really quite astronomical at the moment. Now, renovation work accounts for about a third of all building activity undertaken in Australia in a given year. And typically, we wouldn't see a, a boom in detached market, detached home building and renovation work at the same time. But we are 
this year. We're on a on a natural upcycle for renovation work as it was. And that's because we had a building boom around the year 2000, just after the introduction of the GST. And those homes, homes when they're up to about 20 to 30 years of age, uh, get a facelift. So we had a natural upcycle. We've had a series of storm damage that requires repair. But then what happened last year was as households were constrained in their expenditure for travel and entertainment, they shifted that expenditure to home renovations. And so we saw an enormous surge of... The expenditure through hardware stores is a very stable measure of activity, and it usually varies 1% or 2% over the course of uh, a year. But last year, it jumped up 25%. That's 25% more expenditure through hardware stores as people sought to accommodate the additional pressure on the house, so more people living, you know, kids have stayed in the area with mum and dad, so mum and dad are renovating the kitchen or bathroom or putting on an additional room or expanding the garage to accommodate the, the working-from-home parent or student. And we can see in our in our own survey of members that more than half of builders have experienced a change in consumer preference towards a home with a second living space and additional study nooks or additional studies at home and all of that work, partly driven in Townsville by more of your young population remaining resident in Townsville, is adding to that enormous volume of work in the pipeline, adding to the size of the wombat that the snake swallowed. I did exactly that. Like we put a pool in and, you know, we looked around and we thought, oh, we better do this, this and this because we've had time to do it because we, as you said, you didn't go on that holiday or that trip away. So, you know, we got Renaults going gangbusters as well. And, you know, there's some pretty interesting data coming out, even building approvals here in, in Townsville, if we can sort of focus in a little bit here as well. They're, they're up considerably as well, back to sort of 11, 12 levels, if I can remember from your presentation. That's right. So compared to last year, renovation work in Townsville is 22% higher than what it was last year. And keep in mind, last year was a very strong year where still work was being undertaken from uh, the storm damage in, uh, I think it was February 2019. Mm-hmm. So if further 22% jump is really quite significant. In terms of new building approvals in Cairns, they're looking at around about a 60% increase in activity there. And in Townsville, you're looking at just a little bit more than that. Townsville, over the course of the past five years, has been really quite an interesting little economy that as that post-mining boom, we saw Mackay fall away and, and Cairns slow over the past five years as well. Townsville ended up with a unique situation where you had one of the highest unemployment rates in the country. And Mackay that had experienced something quite similar had one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country. And the difference there is that Townsville does have the benefit of a military base, a strong public expenditure, mm-hmm. and that public sector expenditure has supported households through this down cycle. So whilst one member of a household may have lost their income, the second has been able to support that household. Whereas in Mackay, we saw a significant shift in population out of the region to the southeast corner in particular, whereas the workers remained in Townsville, admittedly, with a large unemployment rate during that period of time, which has meant coming out of this cycle, now that activity is returning and population growth is positive that we're seeing Townsville pick up faster than both Mackay and Townsville. And that's leading to uh, some some strong levels of uh, building activity in the region. Yeah, so we've those people that weren't participating before didn't move away and now they're participating again and that's driving it. That's right. Yeah. So, mate, renos are up, building approvals are up. We're all going to the hardware store. What's going on with prices there? 
Well, the shortage of the type and location of housing has meant that we have had a really strong increase in house prices across the country. And a little unusually, the house price growth outside of Sydney and Melbourne has been stronger than anywhere else. But perhaps the more interesting data has been around rental prices. Rental prices move very quickly. They're very responsive to changes in interest rates or house prices or shifts in population. And outside of Sydney and Melbourne and outside of an apartment in Sydney and Melbourne, Essentially, there is nowhere left in the country to rent. Rental markets from from Cairns all the way through to Canberra are incredibly tight. That will ease over the course of the next 12 months as, as those two factors coincide, as the supply of housing that's coming through the pipeline at the moment arrives on the market and as borders open up and we start to see Sydney and Melbourne draw some of your population back out again, that house price pressure will ease. Now, I'm not suggesting that house prices are going to fall. That's not the cycle that we're going to see. We're just not going to see the same level of house price growth that we have seen over the past six to nine months. That's not going to continue into 2022. And the building materials side of it, mm. Tim, I know you, you spoke about that and the, um, well, this is another wombat story, isn't it, really? Yeah. Like we've got multiple factors in play here, multiple economies being stimulated and shortage of, yes. of products. Yes, particularly timber. But this phenomenon that we've seen in Australia where households are moving out of capital cities and moving to detached homes, it's not just an Australian phenomenon. It's occurred globally. The US is seeing a boom in detached housing. So is Israel, Japan, uh, Norway, South Africa. And it's quite a surprise to enter a recession and come out with that, that boom in detached housing. But what it has meant, when, when you combine that with the shock that happened to global supply chains last year, so uh, shipping costs have increased, the cost of a shipping container has gone up 300%, and there's a long list of reasons why that has happened, not least of which is only a small share of shipping containers that are going into the United States are coming back out again because they're being used as short-term accommodation. <laughs> and all of those factors are compounding the cost of either importing building products or shoring up the supply of products that are produced to now, I should say the vast bulk of building materials are produced in Australia. So timber, bricks, plasterboard, uh, cement, uh, all produced in Australia. But there are some particular products that are in short supply or have seen price increases. Uh, not surprising given that last year we didn't see any increases in building materials in Australia, or very few. I should say that there's a little bit of catch up this year in a boom year. But there are a couple of components that are causing a, a challenge and timber supply is one of those. The really important thing to know with timber supply in Australia is that over the past 20 years, we've become increasingly reliant on imported timber to meet the demand for timber for residential home building. And over the past five years, we've imported around about 20% of the timber that we've required to build homes. Now, keep in mind that this year, building will be 20%, a further 20% higher than it has ever been before, means that we need to import more timber than we have in any previous year to meet that shortfall. And I say that we're relying on an import of timber because the long-term investment in timber plantations in Australia is not sufficient to meet domestic timber needs. The reasons for that are long and complicated, but in short, it comes down to agricultural land in Australia has a higher value use in producing alternative foodstuffs, whether it's barley or uh, proteins such as livestock. Uh, either way, they've out the value of land for those purposes has forced timber production out of Australia. And we do import uh, 20 and this year, a significant higher proportion of our timber from Scandinavia. And because detached home building was booming in the rest of the world, other countries absorbed 
that global supply of timber before it made it to Australia. So we saw the price in the United States increase. It's very hard to measure, but somewhere between 300% and 500%. It was a very fluid market there for a period of time. But that appears to have peaked back in May. And since then, we've seen the price of timber in the United States halve again. And so it takes time to harvest more timber. And the lead time for increasing production of timber in Australia is three to six months. It takes three months to, to upskill a mill or to relocate a mill to an available timber supply. All of the domestic manufacturers are increasing their output as quickly as they can because the price of timber in Australia has risen by about 25% at this stage. And as a consequence, domestic production has increased around about 17%. And imports, on the other hand, have been a little slow to respond. They're, they've increased 10% through to the end of April, uh, higher than what they were at the same time the previous year. But those imports will continue to occur. So the time frame between an order and timber arriving is around about six months, taking into consideration production time and, and shipping time. And that price signal began to emerge in December 2020. So it is from July onwards that we'd expect to see that imported timber start to arrive on the market in a higher volume than what we've seen over the past 12 months. And as a consequence, I'll say that I suspect that we are six months into a 12-month problem. And that problem has been experienced particularly by builders in two ways. One is the availability of timber. So typically, they would be able to order timber in the morning and have it turn up the next day on site. And now the lead time, it varies depending on where you are in the country and builder, but somewhere between six and 12 weeks to get timber delivered. And as I mentioned before, there is that price issue as well. Now, that's posing a challenge for builders because the longer time frame it takes to build a home, the higher the cost to the builder. And of course, if they've signed a fixed price contract, then an increase in the price of timber is an additional cost that they will bear. And so builders certainly need to be careful in terms of taking on projects at the moment that that timber price is very fluid, as are a number of other building materials. And, and I should add that there is a substitute to, to, to timber. Uh, steel framing has accounted for about 10 to 12% of homes built in Australia over the past few years. And inevitably, we're going to see at the end of this process that steel framed housing has uh, increased their market share. But they too are seeing a, an increase in price and, and shifting over from from timber to steel does require some changes in, in building processes. And, and we have seen that that shift from timber to steel is something that happens uh, when there is times of crisis crisis such as we have at the moment and that once builders make that shift away from timber to steel that they don't shift back again and so we'd expect when we have a look at those uh, those figures early next year that steel framing will have replaced some of the timber supply challenge in, in Australia. Yeah right well it's a real moving beast isn't it I remember your presentation here when we were talking about the, the US and people sitting beside me said well the boat doesn't have to go as far to get to there so they'll drop it off there first and, and we're going to be left in the lurch all the way down here. That's so, roughly what happened, yes. Yeah, yep. yeah, but it's... Um, but it get, also comes down to that US-Canada trade relations as well, that they've been quite strained over the past four years, uh, and they've got a new president now, and so the tariff barriers that were in, or quotas that were restricting the importation of timber into the United States have been eased, and the US is now importing more timber from Canada as well, which takes the pressure off the Scandinavian timber, which is the, the our source for uh, imported timber in Australia. Yeah, wow. And I mean, 
I think it's a whole nother episode, especially when we when we start talking about fixed term contracts and uh, all of those pressure points on the on the industry because of these unforeseen almost circumstances, particularly when it comes to to the cost of building materials and demand for you know I I can remember sitting in the meetings twelve months ago and and how dire the situation was. No yes. one no one predicted this, and we'll probably be talking about something different again in another twelve months. So <laughs> so yeah, I guess circling right back. I mean, can we this wombat? Well, the industry will. It will just take a little bit of time. It is a, a terrible saying for builders that are experiencing uh, challenges on site at the moment, but there is a line from Yes Minister, which is uh, there are two types of problems, ones which time has solved and ones which time will solve. And that is the answer to the timber supply challenge at the moment. Anything that the government does to intervene in, in the supply of timber at the moment is quite, we, we certainly don't want something that's going to add to long-term costs. Freeing up uh, additional forests so isn't going to be a quick solution because that timber still needs to be processed. Um, subsidising the shipment of timber from forest plantations to mills is certainly something that might see a quick res- or an improvement in the volume of timber in the market, but it will come at an additional cost in terms of higher price. So it is a complex uh, issue to solve and intervention into the market at this point in time could lead to other longer-term adverse impacts. But, but even like you were saying in relation to time, you know, some of those penalties and some of those things in relation to contracts, they're all places that, that can be looked at now because, you know, as you say, as time moves on and time goes past, but yeah, definitely not easy for that person in that situation at the moment. And certainly our legal services at the moment are answering a lot of inquiries from builders in regards to, to dealing with that problem. And if it, someone is in that situation, then they certainly should be calling our legal services team to assist. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, look, it was great to see you up here in, in sunny North Queensland. Even better to, to pop this down on a podcast. And and once again, I you know, I've got to thank the uh, the local guys here, you know, the two Peters job. to uh, to hook us all up and line up this great chat. And uh, it's it always is good to get a Australia wide shot. Always even better if we can possibly hone it in on a local area. And that's exactly what you did. So um, thank you. So thanks very Pleasure. much, mate. And is there anything you want to leave us on up here, or you or you happy? Um, I I look forward to being back in April next year. We hope you'll be here and we'll hope you'll bring good news again like you did in some sectors this year. So, Tim, thanks very much and uh, enjoy that nice winter afternoon in in, uh, beautiful Canberra. Cheers. Thanks, mate. We appreciate you tuning in to the Townsville Chambercast. Subscribe and follow to receive Chambercast updates for your morning commute every second Friday. Thanks for listening and remember to think, support, celebrate and go local. This podcast is proudly funded by the Australian and Queensland governments through the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. We would also like to thank our show partner, Adits, for making this podcast possible. Adits are your local IT provider with one purpose, to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, adits.com.au, adits.com.au.